a great time of year because we can really focus again on the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and the implications of it. And it's just a pity that it gets lost in the Christmas rush, the stresses and strains of getting ready, of getting the house looking tidy, of all kinds of things happening. And it gets lost. And so it's good just to come back to God's Word again and to just focus our attentions on Jesus Christ, His person, and what He came to tell us when He was on this earth. And so I'd ask you to turn with me as we continue in our studies for this one more week in Luke chapter 9, verses 46 to 50. So Luke chapter 9, verses 46 to 50. Then a dispute arose among them, that is the disciples, as to which of them would be greatest. And Jesus, perceiving the thought of their heart, took a little child and set him by him and said to them, Whoever receives this little child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you all will be great. Then John answered and said, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. And we, we forbade him because he does not follow with us. But Jesus said to him, Do not forbid him, for he who is not against us is for us. I need to warn you about a virus this morning. It's a very old, a very widespread, and a very serious virus. And if you thought the Nora virus was serious, that's just like puppy flu. This virus is to be found in all human beings, from the youngest to the oldest. And if not treated, this virus leads to death, physical and spiritual. You'll find the symptoms in the young, and it kind of rears up its head in the following sense. My dad's bigger than your dad. Anyone heard that before? My bike's faster than your bike. Let's get to those a little older. What does it sound like in them? My car's faster than your car. I've got more Facebook friends than you. And in those who are in the business world, I've got more LinkedIn endorsements than you. Uh-huh. What does it sound like in the church? The same virus is in the church. We only use the ESV. Or we've got the best worship band in this whole town. You see, in the end, it's not about dads. It's not about cars. It's not about the amount of Facebook friends. It's not about size of houses. It's not about biggest bands. What is important? A person is pointing to themselves, aren't they? It's pointing to self. And this appetite for glory and greatness seems to be inbred in us. Who doesn't cherish the ambition to be somebody when others admire, whom others admire rather than a nobody? Who doesn't want that? 
And the full name for this MMI virus, anyone know? Me, myself and I. It's the me, myself and I virus. You see, the disciples that we've just read about had a bad case of MMI. A really bad case. And it manifested itself again very soon after their dressing down, and I'm going to call it a dressing down by Jesus Christ, where he spoke to them and he called them and the crowds, you are a faithless and a perverse generation. Well, they're just proving it now, aren't they? And this, this MMI virus showed itself in their interactions with each other and also with other followers of Jesus Christ. So, how did it show it to each other? Verses 46 to 48. Jesus had just said to them, let these words sink down into your ears. And then he said that he was going to die. And that they needed to prepare themselves for his leaving. And very shockingly, straight after those words, on the way to their house in Capernaum, so they're just walking from where things have just happened, on their way to Capernaum, they have this argument about who is the greatest. Now, why were they having this argument? Could it possibly have been that they were jealous of Peter, James and John's experience up on the mountain, seeing Jesus transformed and they weren't chosen? Could it possibly have been their own failure to cast out the demons and these other um, disciples were having all these good experiences? Could it possibly be, if you look back in Matthew chapter 17, which kind of runs parallel to all this, that Jesus had paid Peter's temple tax and he hadn't paid theirs. Could it be that? But we do know this, they knew they were wrong. When you go and read the other two accounts in Mark and Matthew, they try to hide it from Jesus. But Jesus had noted what they were doing and he knew their hearts anyway. And so he confronts them with it. It's a real hand in the cookie jar experience for them. You know what that's like with kids. What are you doing? Nothing. Well, they've been caught out by Jesus. What were you arguing about on the road? Nothing. But he knew their hearts. And so Jesus teaches them and he draws to himself a little child. Draws to himself his teaching aid. And we need to just stop there and between brackets say this about children. Children in those days in that cultural context, we're seen as trusting and innocent, yes, much like we'd see children today. Unless you teach real little ones, you see something else. But they were also powerless and marginalised in that society. They were powerless and marginalised. And so Jesus pulls this child to his, to his side and he says to them the following, and follow his logic now. He says, you disciples, look at this child. Forget about yourselves. Forget about your rank, your importance. Look at this child. And they were thinking, and? And then Jesus continues, he says, the one who receives this child, and by that word receives, if you know the cultural context here, it was to welcome and to serve that person. When you receive someone into your home, you welcome them and you serve them immediately. And so he says, the one who receives this, seemingly helpless and irrelevant child in my name is the one who also receives, that is, welcomes and serves who? Me. 
So, are you too important to receive this child, you disciples? Then, let me tell you something. You are too important to receive me. And if too important to receive me, then also the one who sent me. Who is that? My Father. So, would you be a true disciple of me, of Jesus Christ? Then, says Jesus to them, start with a humble attitude. Become less in your own eyes. Put away your pride. And if you can't, you can't receive me. And therefore, you can't be my disciple. And you've just been speaking about being great in the kingdom later. Well, would you be great in the kingdom later, you disciples? Then you must be least now. And by the way, start with each other. It's a good start. Seeing as you my disciples. Start with each other. Treat each other with humility as towards the weak and the needy. You'd have, think, you'd, you'd have thought they would have learnt their lesson. If you glance a little bit ahead in Luke chapter 22, what do you see there? Same lesson, different time. Jesus again speaking to his disciples. Why? Because they're having exactly the same argument. Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? So obviously the words hadn't sunk down in their ears. And this happens, the, the, the uh, Luke chapter 22 account happens just before the Passover feast, feast, just before Jesus is going to be crucified and leave them. And so Jesus gets down and he washes his disciples' feet to show them again. And so he says, start your humility towards each other. Serve each other. Love each other. Now, their consciences must have been pricked. We don't, we're not told the reason, but John speaks up now. The Apostle John, who would later be called the Apostle of Love, verses 49 to 50. And he changes the subject. And maybe it was because he was feeling embarrassed due to this implied reprimand by Jesus. Or maybe his conscience was just pricked with regards to something that had happened a little earlier. And so he brings it up. And I can just imagine the other disciples going, No, 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 shh, shh, don't say anything. But John pipes up. He was close to our Lord. And he was speaking about a certain exorcist that they had come across earlier who was casting out demons in Jesus Christ's name. And it was working. And even though this exorcist did not belong to officially to the twelve disciples or maybe even to the broader circle of the constant followers of Jesus, they had come across this man and given him a reprimand. And John brings this up to Jesus' attention. Now, this exorcist wasn't a would-be exorcist, like the seven sons of Sceva that you can read about in Acts chapter 19. I've put the references here for you. Who were, who were legitimate frauds. No, he wasn't one of those. Nor was he an exorcist in the sense of those condemned in Matthew chapter 7, verse 22, where Jesus says on the last day to some, when they say to him, Lord, Lord, did we not cast out demons in your name? And what does Jesus say? I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. It wasn't one of those ones either. No, this man was in all probability a true believer in Jesus Christ. He most probably had listened to Jesus Christ. He had given his heart to the Lord. But he had not yet established close relations with the rest of Jesus' followers. All that we know for certain is that he had been casting out demons in Christ's name, 
and that it worked. And that John and the others had strongly disapproved of his actions and they tried to stop him. Now, if you think it's a different symptom in them, it's not. It's the same virus rearing its head. He's not part of us, so how dare he? Do you see it? Maybe it's because the disciples saw themselves as the only authorized disciples. So who's this guy? And maybe they were jealous of his success in casting out demons when they themselves couldn't do it just a little while ago. And so self-importance rears its head. Intolerance rears its head, which at its base has me, myself, and I. A narrow exclusivism, which says only my way is right, not yours. At the base of it, me, myself, and I. What does Jesus say to them in our text? Very interestingly, he says, Do not hinder him, for he who is not against you is for you. And in another text he says, He who is not against me is with me. In other words, Jesus is saying to them, Is he doing the same kind of work as you in my name? Then he's on the same side, guys. Get it. You know, we as church denominations sometimes do this as well. We might even do it as our church here at Wanganui East. We're better than other churches. Why? Because we preach God's word. Well, yes, we do. But who are we to say that we are better than anyone else? As a Baptist church denomination, sometimes we will say, well, the Presbyterians or the Catholics do it in this way. Yes, they might do it in a different way, but who are we to say that we are any better? I'm going to put a rider on that. Are we then saying unity at all costs? Because that's one thing that gets pushed down our gullets too as Christians. You need to have unity at all costs. Are we saying that we must? No, we're not saying that at all. You see, what must we do in the, in the end? We must endeavor to keep the purity of the doctrine given to us in the way that we teach it and how we operate. But we are also to reach out to our brothers and sisters who love the Lord Jesus Christ and those who hold central His infallible word. Those are the ones that we hold on to. And here's the key. We have to do it with what? With love and humility. And that's where we fall down. So often, because pride gets a hold of us. And so there's a lesson for us as churches too. Do it, stand up for the gospel, but do it with love and humility. You see, it's not all about us. It's about who? It's about Jesus Christ and the one who sent him, his Father. And that is the testimony that should go out from your life, from this church, and from our churches, it's about Jesus Christ and the one who sent him. And so I want to bring that as application to you and I this morning as we sit here. And I want to warn you firstly, be warned. Be warned. MMI or pride is dangerous. Why? Because it doesn't infect us from, ins- from outside. It doesn't help wearing a mask against this virus. Because the virus is already inside you. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9. Yes, it's in the Old Testament, but listen to the wisdom. It says this, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. I'll repeat that. The heart, that is the heart inside you, is deceitful above all things 
and desperately sick. Mark chapter 7, verse 20 to 23 says this. Listen to it. The disease is inside you already. What comes out of a person is what defiles him. You see, we're so quick to say, I must watch what comes into me. Yes, you must. But there's a bigger danger inside. It's what's inside that's already defiling you. 4 says verse 21 of that passage. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, here it is, pride, and foolishness. Jesus warned against that. He said it's what, what is inside you. It's the thought that starts the action. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person, says Mark. So that's the first one this morning. Be warned. The virus is inside you already. So what can you do about that? The good news this morning is that you can be immunized. All right? You can be immunized against MMI. And you can get the AAC shot. What is the AAC shot? We're the medical doctors. Have you ever heard of that one? The AAC shot? You must have. It's the all about Christ shot. You can get the all about Christ shot this morning. And if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, you can get to know Him this morning and He will save you from your own heart. And if He hasn't, you're filled with MMI and you will stay filled with MMI, me, myself and I, until Jesus Christ comes again. And He is coming and then you will stand before Him as judge. But the good news for you and I as believers is we need to be immunized with the AAC shot Every single day, the all about Christ job. Why? Because NMI keeps rearing its little head in me. Now, how do you get that shot? Now, I don't like getting shots at the hospital because there's one or two places they can put that shot. And I don't like either. But you can get this AAC shot, the all about Christ shot. His mercy, His grace at work in you, His goodness, His blessings to you, the abilities He gives you, the opportunities He gives you, you can get that best on your knees. Why on your knees? Because you and I need to ask the Holy Spirit to change our hearts. We need to be humble before Him. And the best place for that is on our knees. You can also get it... By staying on your knees and just serving those around you. That will also give you the AAC shot. Serve others. Philippians chapter 2 verse 3 says this. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another, here it is, as more important than yourself. When you look around you, look at all these beautiful people around you, mostly. Look at them. Do you see them as more important than yourself this morning? You see, that is the humility test that's right in front of us this morning. Are you passing it or failing it? So be immunized on your knees. And Jesus will answer that prayer. He will make you humble and help you to serve others. The third thing you can do is be emptied. Be emptied out. And I want you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, 
verses 5 to 11. Turn with me in your, in your scriptures, please, to Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11. You need to be emptied out this morning. Jesus Christ's attitude should be ours, says scripture. So what is it? Let's look at it. What did Christ do? Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11. The Apostle Paul says this, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now he describes what mind should be in us. Who, being in the form of God, did not consider it snobbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation. There's the word emptied. He, he emptied himself. He made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a servant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself even further and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross, the worst form of execution. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven, those on earth, and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, what did Jesus Christ do? He emptied himself of his godness. And somehow he still remained God, but he was fully man too. We can't understand that. They work together. But he didn't say, I am God, I'm not going to do this. I'm better than this. No. He became a man. And I like that phrase, and when he found himself as a man, so can you see, he became a baby, and then, hey, I'm a baby. He humbled himself even further and allowed himself to be put to death by his own creations. And not just any old death, the death of the cross, which was the worst one. Do you see how he humbled himself? And all the while, what was he doing? He was serving mankind. Now, where's the lesson for you and I? Jesus says, humble yourself before me and serve each other. And it's quite a hard lesson to learn. It's a very hard lesson to learn. Because our pride, that self-seeking glory, that vanity, just wants to rear its head all the time. And you especially find that at this time of the year, when you're hunting for Christmas presents, and you keep wondering what they're going to get me. What they're going to get me. I hope it's nice and not socks. You see, when we start repairing our homes, we start getting things together for festivities. It's all about us and us having a good time. Do we stop and look around us and see the people around us who are struggling? It should be all about Jesus Christ, you see. And so maybe a good idea for one Christmas will be not to have Christmas celebrations ourselves, but rather to give to some, someone else who needs. Maybe to open your home, and yes, it's risky, and to say, you guys doing anything for Christmas? Come to my place. We look after you. It's all about Christ, serving others. God wants us to be empty vessels, empty of ourselves, so that what? He can fill us. He can fill us with what? He can fill us with glory, with power and love. How do I know that? His word tells me. 
Ephesians, turn with me. It's the second one you're going to turn to this morning. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 to 21. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 to 21. This is what the Apostle says again. It's a good verse for Christmas, this one, verse 18. Do not be drunk with wine. Just what's going to happen in our society in a few days' time. In which is dissipation, but instead, believers, are you listening? Be filled with the Spirit. And I'm not going to a whole long theological explanation. It means be refilled daily so that God can strengthen you for the task at hand. Be filled with the Spirit. What does that look like? Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and submitting to one another in the fear of God. That's what it looks like. Is that what your life looks like this Christmas? Are you being filled with the Spirit or with the Spirit's? Jesus says, be emptied so that I can fill you. And if you do that, you will serve and you will serve others humbly. And then the last injunction, the last command to us here this morning is from the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter 5 verse 5, which says to us, be clothed. You know, when we come to festive occasions, I don't know about you, but parties happen. Sometimes they have a fancy dress. And people dress up as all kinds, especially work parties, right? They get those noses on and pies and all kinds of things. Well, here he says, be clothed with what as believers? First Peter 5 verse 5 says this, all of you clothe yourselves with what? Humility towards one another. Now look at this warning, for God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That's a fearful thing. When you are full of pride, what happens? Scripture says God is opposed to you. And do you want Almighty God opposed to you, a weeny little human being? No. We are to humble ourselves because if we do, God gives grace to the humble. And I want His grace in my life. I don't know about you. Here's a good reminder at this Christmas time when it can be about me, me, myself and I, my presence, my good time, my Christmas rush. Don't deprive me of my Christmas rush, please. Let's be gracious and let's have a humble attitude towards people around us. And yes, they might be crowding you out in the store, but be gracious and humble as you interact with others. Because it speaks out about the Lord inside you. And when you lose your temper at those people who have pushed in the queue in front of you and you've been standing there for half an hour, it speaks out about the Lord in you. Which Lord are you portraying? And I want to ask you, are you reaching out to the lonely, to the sick, to the elderly, to those by themselves this Christmas? Has it even entered your mind to ask someone from outside your family circle to join you? Maybe because they're lonely? It's all about Christ. Him. His glory. 
And so as you receive others, as you welcome them and serve them, so you receive Christ and the one who sent him. And so, no, it's not all about me. It's all about him. May that be what happens this Christmas in your life. It's all about him. Let's give him glory. Let's pray. Lord, our Heavenly Father, we are so prone, so easily, to think about ourselves, our needs, our comforts, our luxuries, our good times. And Lord, we so quickly don't see people around us. But Lord, this challenge has come to us at this festive time of the year when all the world is thinking about filling themselves and having a good time. Lord, you are asking us to be different, to stand out as lights in the darkness and to serve those around us. And Lord, may we start with your family. May we serve our brothers and sisters in Christ. May we serve them humbly. May we serve them with love. But Lord, may the testimony carry on too. And may we serve those we come into contact with in this week, in this rush up to Christmas. May we serve people around us. May they see Jesus Christ shining out brightly because we are different in our attitudes. Because we put others first before ourselves. Lord, what a practical lesson. What an easy lesson to understand. But what a hard lesson to apply. Lord, give us ears which hear your word, we pray. Amen.